Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my team host for the last 16 years. Uh, is here. You know, and Kathy and I are executive coaches. We've helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And we've been zeroing in uh, in this last year or so on this concept of emotional brilliance. And in the moment, how can you be brilliant? And we're really excited to have Oscar Trimboli with us. We're going to talk about the neuroscience of listening. So in the moment, how do you listen better? He's got some really good uh, research um, that he's going to be able to share with us. And when we think about what we've always talked about with leaders, empathy is so important. And, you know, some of the data, if you see your senior leader as empathic, that increases employee innovation and engagement. If you are low in empathy, the numbers are less. So if you're high in empathy, as far as engagement, it's a 76% people will be engaged versus if you're low, it's more like 32%. So a huge difference in this idea of empathy as leaders can sound soft, um, but it's so important in, in the work that, you know, Kathy and I do. And let me just do a quick little introduction of Oscar, and we'll bring on Kathy and uh, Oscar. So who is Oscar? He is on the quest to create 100 million deep listeners. He's an author. He has his own podcast called Deep Listening. He's a sought-after keynote speaker, and he's passionate of using the gift of listening to bring positive change to homes, workplaces, and cultures. He's interviewed over 100 people from diverse workplaces, and how do they listen, like air traffic controllers, deaf and foreign language interpreters, hostage negotiators. And then he has uh, over 14,000 people who've contributed to his research about what gets in the way of listening. And so as a background, and we'll hear a little bit more from Oscar about his background, is in marketing technology, and he's a veteran of working at some big corporations, Microsoft, PeopleSoft, Polycom, Vodafone. And he's also done a fair amount of consulting from Google to Salesforce to Siemens. And just as a side note, uh, he loves walking with his wife, Jenny, and their dog, uh, Kilimanjaro. And he will be playing Lego with one of his four grandchildren on the weekend. And Oscar is coming to us from Australia. So let me bring on Kathy first, and then Oscar, we want to jump into it. So Kathy. Welcome. I'm excited that we have our guest today. Hello, hello. As you can hear in my background, I've got a little puppy that's screaming her head off. I guess she needs to listen a little bit better. Hopefully today Oscar can, <laughs> can help us with that. But, I, you know, when you do a live show and you're doing it from the comfort of your own home and office, it's something sometimes we cannot, um, we cannot avoid. But in listening, I think there is so much power 
I think there's obviously a need for us all to be much more deep listeners. And I think that today I am going to be a deep listener and hope to learn because as we all know, and, and Oscar, I'm sure this is no surprise to you, the last few years have created such a heightened inability for people to not only hear what's being said to them because of the filters with which we are all absolutely blocking information or mishearing information, both in the corporate world and on the home front. We see it in the news every day. We see it in uh, both of your experiences. Uh, You all are, are executive coaches. As an executive coach myself, I now focus in in law enforcement and the military and cannot tell you how devastating our communities can be when we have individuals who cannot communicate with each other. And so I am so grateful to have you on the show today, Oscar. Uh, I hope that all of us have a genuine conversation that brings to light so much of your background, Oscar, and let's kick it off by talking about a little bit about who you are and some of the major influences that have been in your life and how did you get so interested in this passion for listening. Welcome to the show, Oscar. Thank you for your warm welcome, Kathy. And to understand me, you have to go into a board meeting in April of 2008. It was a video conference between Sydney, Seattle, and Singapore. 18 people were in that meeting, and we were setting the financial plan for the fiscal year. And the thing about budget settings is it's a fairly highly charged environment. The corporate head office wants you to stretch your performance and do your best. And in the business, we're conscious that A budget set too high may result in people losing their jobs with underperformance. So it's a balancing act. And poor old Singapore has to play the role of Switzerland and mediate between head office and our region. And the meetings are renowned for going over. The meeting was scheduled for 90 minutes, and typically they go for three, four hours. This is a budget-setting meeting. You have to set the budget. You can't leave the room. And at the 20-minute mark, my vice president sitting across the table from me said, Oscar, I need to see you immediately after the meeting. And in that moment, Kathy, the only thing going through my head was, hmm, how many weeks of salary have I got left? Tracy never says that. I think I'm going to get fired. Honestly, for the rest of the meeting, I didn't listen to another word that was said. I was scratching out how much salary I got left, what my expenses were. Miraculously, the meeting actually finished early. It finished 20 minutes early. It finished at the 70-minute mark. And Tracy asked me to close the door as everybody else left. And as I walked back, she says, you have no idea what you did at the 20-minute mark, do you? And I thought, great, I'm getting fired, and I don't even know what I did. As I sat down, Tracy said, Oscar, if you could code how you listen, you could change the world. And despite the found nature of what Tracy said in that moment and a very insightful moment of listening. The only thing going through my head was, woohoo, I hadn't been fired. 
girlfriend. <laughs> Whatever she said next to me was completely lost again lost. as I was completely relieved. <laughs> That's, That's so, you know, Relly and I are mesmerized, and I have to say as we go into the remainder of this conversation for our audience, think about that, folks. Think about the cost of every conversation you have ever had when it comes to when you stop listening because you could only hear the fear. Powerful conversation today, Oscar. Thanks for being with us. Relly, let's get going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's great, Oscar. That's a really great story. And how we tune out um, all usually with um, uh, mis-ideas uh, and assumptions that we're having. And so I know you've done some research on this. Let me just mention a lot of what we were going to be talking about. You have a book called How to Listen, and you also have some deep listening playing cards. Um, and I'm just going to give you your website so people can write this down, www.oscartrimboli, T-R-I-M-B-O. LI.com. A lot of resources there. So the cost of not listening, which many of us, most of us aren't listening most of the time, but what is the cost? Maybe fill us in a little bit on that. The consistent cost we hear in commercial enterprises is reduced profitability, products that launch late, employees that you want to keep in the organization who leave unexpectedly, customers, who you've won and you think you're doing a great job, but those customers become really unprofitable because there's a lot of rework you need to do. In the public sector, it means policy initiatives don't achieve their full potential because we haven't listened completely to the stakeholders and the process that they need to go through. The difference between hearing and listening is action, and in the public sector particularly, and they use extensive tools like research and focus groups. That's hearing. Listening is communicating back what you heard and then communicating the action you're going to take as a result. And same is true for nonprofits. Rarely do they achieve their full potential because they're listening to donors about how much money they're going to contribute rather than what the contribution means for the donors yeah. to the organization. Yeah. So when it comes to the cost of not listening, it's everywhere. Very few of us are conscious of it. That's an amazing observation when you think about all of us that are in situations where we are donating. And when you think about what we believe we're getting from that opportunity and how disappointing it is when our passion for contributing to the well-being of others doesn't meet what our expectations were because the listening wasn't there. You, you have so uh, many rituals that you share with, with your uh, participants in this process. Uh, Oscar, tell us a little bit about what a readiness listening ritual might include. For many of us, we live in the false assumption that focusing on the speaker is the best place to start your listening. That's interesting, but it's not sustainable. 
If you struggle with your listening batteries always in orange and red zone and maybe black and requiring a recharge in every conversation, you're approaching listening with a first step being missed. The first step in listening is listening to yourself. You can't go into a conversation if you haven't tuned yourself in to you. Many of us have so many things going on in our mind before we arrive at a conversation. And if I think of an orchestra or a touring band, no matter which location they're playing in, no matter what song they're about to play first, they consistently tune before the performance every single time. An orchestra will tune, even though they play in the identical venue and the identical song, as an act of humility, as an act of respect to the other musicians and, more importantly, the audience. They tune their instruments every single time. It's an act of discipline. It's an act of encouragement for others as well. Yet for most people, based on our listing research, which now extends to 24,000 workplace listeners, the biggest thing they struggle with is the browser tabs that are open in their own mind. They have had so many browser tabs open, like browser on a computer that's chewing up memory that means they're not available to speak to the other person and, more importantly, uh, not listen to them. Can I just ask you, yeah. um, that, that what a powerful thought. You have too many browsers open. I, are you? I want our listeners to hear that. Too many browsers open. Wow. How many of us live like that, Raleigh? Right? Our browsers yeah, are I think not listening. This blew me and away, so Oscar. This idea, Oscar, of this readiness ritual when Kathy and I you know, are, are training leaders, but also training coaches and training you know, thousands of coaches to get ready to coach and that kind of readiness ritual of that, which is really important. And uh, so what do you do? Like, what's something you do? I'll share kind of what I do and, and then maybe Kathy. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just taking some deep breaths and kind of visualizing what I want. Sometimes there's some, uh, I do a little mindfulness exercise. And I think often in organizations, uh, the people that I'm coaching, they don't get a chance to do that. They just go from one meeting to another. So what do you do to kind of get, get ready? As a practitioner in the workplace, everything I talk about has to be able to be done in 90 seconds or less. And for the people that I work with, they say to me, wow, these are so simple to do, yet they're difficult to practice. So tip number one, if you are the host of the meeting and you are controlling the meeting invitation, do not start a meeting at the top of the hour. Send a meeting invite for five after the hour and conclude at five to the hour. As a leader, that has a massive impact on the system. When I do this with my clients, for the first time, I always notify them and say, hey, this is not a mistake. Your meeting request is for five after the hour. And Universally, they all say to me, oh, my goodness, Oscar, I love coming to your meeting. I have time to go to the restroom, <laughs> grab a glass of water, eat a sandwich, collect my thoughts. 
And rather than people rushing into a meeting at the top of the hour apologising and being present in the meeting at about 15 minutes after the hour, people arrive at the meeting ready, available and present. Now, that's a simple thing any leader can do. Uh, I want to apologise on behalf of myself. I can't apologise on behalf of Microsoft. Time is such a fictitious construct that we have ritualised at the defaults in calendars, whether that's Google, whether that's Apple, whether that's Microsoft. Everybody seems to follow the default. Yeah. Tip number two, use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. By that, I mean notifications. Every single operating system allows you to control the notifications with one button. And for... Yep, so you can switch off every notification on your phone. You can switch off every notification on your computer. Use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. Use you. I love it. We're going to take a quick break, and I want to come back to what you've learned from all this great research that you've been doing with over 10,000 workplace listeners on this very fact, using technology to our advantage, not letting the technology rule us, and this very powerful listening. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Don't go away. We've got more surprises for you from our friend, Oscar Trimboli. Come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tech. Like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality. With passion. We follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. You know, you can always get our uh, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence from our website, Kathy and I, www.emotionalbrilliance.com slash academy. Uh, Oscar, who we're having a delightful conversation with, is oscartrimboli.com, a lot of resources there. And, Oscar, we were talking about um, what you learned from the research you've done with over 10,000 workplace Listeners, but then I also mentioned maybe the first part. You, you know, you had this experience of, of dealing with your dad. Maybe tell us that story, and then we'll get into the research because you know I think people will certainly relate to that. Well, in the middle of COVID, my dad had a very significant stroke, and he was admitted into a stroke unit in a hospital. And during that time, he he was for a period of two weeks unable to use his tongue. He couldn't swallow, so he had to drink thickened water. He couldn't speak. And I had to learn to listen where words weren't present. In my father's Mm. eyes, I could see fear. I could see anxiety. I could see frustration. I could see anger. And what was fascinating for me was the medical staff around him consistently didn't address themselves to him. They would speak to me, even though I was across the head from my father. So I slowly moved myself to make sure my head was as close to my father as possible so that the medical staff could address themselves to him so he could be part of the recovery process rather than that being something that was being done to him. If I hadn't had the opportunity to spend this privileged time with my dad, and he's fully recovered now from his stroke. He can't drive, so his independence is a bit... It's a bit different from where it was before. And in that moment where I realised that you can communicate and listen to somebody when no words are present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You That's know, great. most of us are going to have loved ones in our lives that are going to go through something similar. And that possibility for recognizing the emotions uh, that go into listening, uh, I believe, is so important. Oscar, as you think about the people that you've interviewed, um, over a hundred of the world's most diverse listeners, uh, and in this case, whether it's hospital, whether it's musician, whether it's executive, what do they have in common? What they all have in common is they all struggle 
with what we talked about before, the bike, getting ready to listen. In the moment of listening, and listening happens before, during, and after the conversation, these world-class listeners display curiosity and flexibility. They're fascinated by the context they're in, the content they're listening to, and seeking not only to understand for them, but also helping the speakers express their ideas a lot more fully. When you understand the neuroscience of listening, if all you do is listen to what somebody says the first time, you're only listening to 80 14% of what they're saying, 86% is going unsaid. I speak at 125 words a minute, yet I can think at 900 words per minute. So the likelihood that somebody says what they think and what they mean the very first time is 14%. You probably get better odds going to Las Vegas and playing on one of those tables. <laughs> now, for many of us, if we just were a little bit more curious and realised that when they pause, that's not our commercial break to jump in and bring our opinion in. Silent yep. and listen, share the identical letters. And if you can just pause a little longer and let them say the next 125 words, you're more likely to connect to something that matters significantly for them and they haven't had a chance to fully express. So flexibility is the ability to adjust your listening orientation to go, where is this conversation going? They have a listening compass. They ask north-south questions, which keeps the conversation going in the same direction. An example of that, they would say, tell me more. Equally, they ask east-west questions. They ask questions to bring a diverse and different perspective into the discussion. They ask questions like, and what else? Most of us are trained because of our educational upbringing to listen for similarity, and yet what these world-class listeners display is the flexibility to listen either for similarity or for difference, whichever one's going to be most helpful to the meeting outcome. So they all have a little listening compass in their pocket. So uh, what's so fascinating about this, and I think it's uh, new information that I'm sharing in my world, is what you just said, just to reiterate, uh, most of the time they're only scratching the surface, and I'll use those words, when someone says something, it's kind of, it's a smaller amount of what they think. And if we don't scratch the surface longer and go deeper, we've missed. But also I think what I love what you're saying is the role of the listener is not to understand what they say, but help them make sense of what they mean. And especially I think for leaders and coaches, to go deeper than taking the first thing out of their mouth because it's only scratched the surface. So that's really valuable, uh, Oscar. And maybe say a little bit more as we talk about that, and I just want to reiterate some of that, that data that you have, that, and I guess that's the neuroscience piece. Um, you have a, an assessment on your website that looks at the four villains 
And Kathy and I are always talking about awareness. You know, we think about mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, awareness, and how do you manage what you're aware of, awareness and adjustment. So from an awareness standpoint, say a little bit more of what you found about these four villains and, and how'd that come, how did that come up? Was that from the research or where did you get that? And uh, now, and everything I've developed has come about from listening to clients, either in speaking engagement or workshops. And I was in a workshop with a board, and the chair took me aside at the conclusion of the meeting, and they said, "Look, Oscar, this is awesome, but we can't have you in every board meeting. How do we create a way that people can understand the barriers that are getting in their way? Can you give us a little?" quiz and I thought hmm <laughs> now there's an idea I haven't thought about and the difference between hearing uh-uh. and listening is action so I said to the chair can I come back to you next week with some ideas and I reached out to an independent market research company and said have I got a challenge for you listening is obtuse and it's abstract most people have had no education in listening. How do we create a way for them to put a listening mirror up so they can discover what barriers get in their way when they're listening in the workplace? We came back to the chair and said, look, would you like to pilot this with us? Uh, We don't know where this will end. Can we co-design it? Can we discover it together? And then we moved out. We moved out and invited 1,500 people who'd worked with me before to crash test the assessment. And there's a lot of things in the research world that's about validity that I don't honestly understand. There's a lot of things called cohort analysis that I don't understand. But it basically says, will you get a predictable result no matter which context somebody is taking this assessment in. Then we took it out and we had to take it out to another 1,500 people who'd never touched any of the work I'd done on listening. We had to listen to people who had never heard us before. And as a result, we asked three questions in the first round of research. What do you struggle with when it comes to listening? What's one thing you'd like to improve in your listening? And then finally, what frustrates you as a speaker when the listener is not listening to you. We did a round two of that research, which was numeric in in assessment based on the data we collected in the first round. And the words just popped up out of the research. The four villains of listening were born. They were the dramatic listener, the interrupting listener, the lost listener, and the shrewd listener. Each of them have a different barrier. The dramatic listener uses emotion ineffectively. They want to connect. They don't understand the distinction between empathy and sympathy. And they move the spotlight from the speaker to themselves. A dramatic listener would say, some, the speaker might say, oh, I'm really struggling. My manager doesn't turn up to my one-on-one. When they do, they're late. They're always rescheduling, and the dramatic listener will say, yeah, I can totally relate. Let me tell you about the worst manager I've ever had. They're even worse than yours. So that's a simple example of how they described it. The interrupting listener is very time-orientated. They're the quiz show contestant, presses the buzzer before the host is finished. They answer the wrong question, and that creates friction in the relationship because they're on a quest for productivity. 
The lost listener is lost in their own mind and they're lost in distractions. And finally, the shrewd listening villain, disproportionately represented in selling professions, medical professions, any kind of professional service, anybody who takes a brief uh, human resources department, the accounting department, the finance department, the IT department, they are problem-solving machines and they're jumping ahead. They're not only solving the problem that the person's talking about, they're jumping ahead three and what the speaker says I know they're not listening to me, they're just trying to fix me. So if you visit listeningquiz.com, you can take the assessment yourself and discover which one of the four villains gets in your way first. For me, at work, I'm a shrewd listening villain, and at home, I'm a lost listening villain. We also give you a tip so that you can make some really practical progress from that report as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. www.listeningquiz.com. Oscar, tell us a little bit more about this eight words, eight words that are, if you will, bias uh, starters um, that creep in uh, to our conversations, to our listening. I assume they work in concert sometimes with these four villains. Can you talk a little bit about those in detail? Uh, a lot of people are quite listening with questioning, and that's handy, but it's not true. A really bad question is a good example that you're not listening. And we talk about two types of questions, bias questions and neutral questions. I want to be clear. Bias questions have their place if you're using them consciously. Bias questions are really important in the workplace if you have to set budgets, allocate resources that are finite, make decisions about choices that are time-bound. Bias questions are really critical. So be conscious there are a point in time where bias questions are very helpful in the workplace. Equally, neutral questions or open questions are important too. When we talk about the five levels of listening, so level one we mentioned already, listening to yourself, listening to content, listening for context, listening for unsaid. When you're listening for what's unsaid so you can discover level five meaning, the shorter your questions, the more space you're going to create for them. I mentioned two of those questions already. They're very short questions, and if you're not in a relationship with somebody, meaning it's the very first meeting, I probably wouldn't say, tell me more and what else. I would probably say, that's fascinating. Could you just expand on that? Still eight words or less. I'm curious. Could you tell me more about that? Make it your own when it comes to tell me more. And the same is true for what else and what else. Um, When we ask those questions, you will notice that the speaker will pause. The difference between a good listener and a great listener, a good listener listens to what the speaker is saying. A great listener will change the way the speaker communicates what they think and what they mean. Mm. The Mm -hmm. most powerful, the most potent, of the three kind of neutral questions you want to use 
this one, if you listen carefully, it's the shortest. And, and done well is really liberating for the speaker. And done poorly, it's intimidating for the speaker. Definitely. It's this. Now, don't worry, I didn't go anywhere. That was called a pause. And the word silent and listen share the identical letters. If you can create a pause consistently for the speaker, you'll notice a change in their way their skull sits on their head. If it's straight, it will tilt. If it was tilted, it will straighten up. Their eyes will move to a different position and they are likely to exhale much more deeply than they have before. And they will use words like... Actually, now that I think about it a little longer, hmm, honestly, Oscar, mm-hmm. what we've covered off is interesting. You know what's really important to me that we haven't discussed? This is yeah. the role of neutral questions, and the most powerful neutral question of all is just to and, you know, Oscar, we're going to have to take a quick break here on that that wonderful pause and that idea of understanding the depth one can take uh, when the speaker is asked a deeper question and has to recalibrate, right, through either taking in air or redirecting what they're looking at. So we're going to do that right now together, but don't go away. We will be right back with our friend Oscar Trimboli talking about Keep her listening. Come right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. IC Tech, for those who get it. 
Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with a top listener performer, and hopefully we can all get better. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more from Oscar Tromboli. His website is oscartromboli.com. Tromboli is T-R-I-M-B-O-L-I. Uh, one of the last segments, we talked about this quiz you can take. It's called the Listening Quiz, www.listeningquiz.com. And probably, uh, like you, Oscar, and, and many folks, I took it, and I'm kind of more the shrewd listener. Um, trying to get ahead of things. And I think as we work with uh, executives and leaders, that always is happening. And one of the things I just want to mention that I think uh, bringing your work, which is a paradigm shift, to really listen and to love the pause. In the coaching school, I encourage the coaches to love the pause because I think most of us try to fill it in. So that's uh, really valuable. And so as we hey, I just forward. I just want to give a final tip for the pause. Treat the yeah. pause like a word. Listen to the beginning, the middle, and the end of their pause. If you treat it like a word, mm-hmm. it becomes mm-hmm. so easy to engage with the pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think just that awareness that people need to pause. And I think there's research that even when someone says something, it takes three or four seconds to let it sink in versus responding immediately. So as we move forward with this, what have you noticed with, is is there something different with um, genders? Some of the research that I've been quoting in the past that men interrupt women three times as much as women interrupt um, Men, uh, what have you found about some of the gender differences? As I step off stage, the, the most common question I get asked is, I, I'm a great listener. How do I teach my life partner how to listen? He or she is terrible <laughs> at listening. And as a result, I've gone deep into the academic research when it comes to listening. One of the things we need to be aware of, the, the research is often a self-assessment. People are asked to rate themselves about their own listening. Decades and decades of research from the academic field show there is no material difference in the way people assess their own listening, whether it's male, female, or other. There is no difference. Yet when I'm on stage and I use the following phrase, men listen to fix. And women listen to feel the entire room in unison will nod and smile in a knowing way. I think 
there are women who listen to fix. There are men who listen to feel. And no matter where you're starting from, we can all get a little bit better when it comes to our listening. Now, the opposite. There was one piece of research by Falkman and Zenga. They did research where they asked the, another person to assess the listener. So it wasn't a self-assessment. It was an assessment by the speaker. Because like comedy and sex, the value of what you do is in the audience. It's not with you. So when it comes to listening in Falkman and Zenga's research, they described with 4,500 participants in the research, women were perceived to be better listeners. They were more effective listeners. They were more comfortable with pause and silence than their male counterparts were. Now, one research study by itself does not prove the point. The point is very simple. No matter where your starting point is from a gender point of view, you need to get a little bit better yourself when it comes to listening. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I do think that there are uh, many, many women who uh, who have had to learn to use uh, those listening skills for all kinds of, of, of reasons. The reality is I think there are some men who are just as as capable listeners uh, as women. I think they often don't get the opportunity. <laughs> There's an old joke about why women never, uh, you know, never really uh, have a problem with, uh, if, if you will, uh, passing um, any gas. And I only use this as a joke because they would say it's because women never stop talking long enough for the air to build up. <laughs> and I think that, you know, we can say all kinds of things about gender, men and women. Um, I think over the years, men have become much better uh, at, at listening, at least uh, those I've been in relationship with. But I think, you know, women have to also learn to listen as well. When you think about deep listening, Oscar, when you deep listening versus active listening. Talk a little bit about the differences. Active listening is focusing on what the speaker says, acknowledging and paraphrasing, and using non-verbal affirmations such as, mm-hmm, yeah. The difference is active listeners are noticing what people say, and deep listeners are noticing what people don't say. Deep listeners are genuinely curious about the 86% of what that person thinks and what they mean, not just what they say the first time. So you can actively listen to 14% of what somebody says. And honestly, that'll be a transformational experience for most people because most people are listening to another person and reloading their argument and ready to go straight away with mm-hmm. their response. If you want to make an impact beyond words, if you want to make an impact that's not about the symptoms and more about the system, active listeners focus on the symptoms and stay there, and deep listeners are noticing what's not said and the systemic implications of that. So those are some really good distinctions. The symptom is more the active listener. The system, which is getting into the meeting and the context and what maybe not said, 
is kind of the, the system that's going on. You know, one of the things, Oscar, that, that I would say, talking about communication and, and listening, most people don't, don't listen like you're saying, um, and it's more of a dual monologue. There's a topic in common, and I'm going to tell my side of the story about the topic. You're going to tell your side of the story about the topic. So neither of us is really listening, and that's, that's the idea of a dual monologue, where I think people kind of quickly kind of get that. Yeah. Well, I like also, one of the distinctions. I was just going to say, what, what I like all of to keep in mind is that cultural. There, are, there are cultural distinctions in how people interpret listening. You know, so as you're talking about that, really, um, you know, we have to keep in mind. It's also how people understand listening to occur, right? Yeah. So, uh, with that. Maybe Kat, say a little bit more. Like, where, where are you going with that? Well, I think you know we can we can say that in some cultures, the interactive discussion versus taking turns and waiting for the pause is right. a norm. Not that it's good, right, yeah. or different, but there's still mm-hmm. active listening that is taking place when two right. people are talking at the same time. It's a different form of active listening. Right. So that's a good point. And, and Oscar, what have you have you noticed in some of your research about the different cultures in listening? You know, it, like, are you able to say like which culture are if there's a distinction are kind of the better listeners? Well, what, what we discovered from the way people who interact with other cultures is that in Eastern Europe and South America, as an example. Talking over the top of somebody you're in a good relationship with is not interruption. It's a sign of a good relationship. So when Westerners encounter that, they're frightfully confused. In high-context cultures, China, Japan, Korea, the Inuit of North America, the Polynesian cultures, the Maori cultures, the indigenous and Aboriginal cultures of Australia, the Amazonian cultures, these people... Silence is a sign of wisdom, respect, and authority, and elders use it as a way to ground the group in a conversation before it commences, particularly in any kind of group dialogue. They will always listen in circles as opposed to Westerners who use rooms where people are facing each other in rectangular or square furniture designs. When it comes to our listening Across all cultures, what we know is consistent is everybody struggles at level one, listening to themselves, whether they have browser tabs of technology or not, getting present to the conversation before it begins is the biggest barrier that gets in people's lives. <laughs> we can all learn from different cultures. And I was interviewing a cross-cultural consultant, which was working with a banking client of theirs, a U.S organization that gone to Korea to close a deal with a bank in Korea. And the Korean counterpart consistently said to the U.S. questioner, <laughs> interrogator, as he was told, yes, yes, yes. And they were confused because they were saying yes, and they thought they were about to close the deal to win a piece of business. The Korean counterpart was merely acknowledging yes. I understand what you just said. Rather than, mm-hmm. yes, 
I agree with what you just said. And so many yeah. people, if you're operating across cultures, a critical question to ask at the beginning of every conversation is, what would make this a great discussion? And ask that question, that whole a North Star on the listening compass that you can check in with quite regularly, but most people never ask that question. They've got an agenda. Let's start. We've got 59 minutes and 30 seconds to go. Let's get the deal done. Now, a high-context culture values community and relationship more than transaction and outcome and task. So when a Westerner intersects with somebody from the East, there's a mental model that's a complete mismatch. So just letting this kind of pause here for a moment, because that's really valuable. I've seen that uh, exactly what you're saying when someone from a, you know, an Asian culture may be nodding, uh, going along, and people think they're agreeing versus I understand. <laughs> yes. So some of those yes. culture, cultural issues are really important. So before we end, say a little bit about your, your mission and the listening ambassador. And I also want to give a shout-out to one of our colleagues and friends, um, Dr. Ed Nottingham, who is one of your ambassadors, and he also is one of the first people when we talked who kind of brought your name up. So what is this uh, Listening Ambassador Program? Well, the first thing is it's not my program. They're not my ambassadors. They are the people listening ambassadors. They are self-named. It's a group of people who reached out to me organically over time and said, how can we help with your quest? And I use the word quest deliberately. It's not a mission because I have no idea where it's going to end up. It's a very organic and uh, global movement of people who simply put their hand up. And the ambassadors have said they want to be role models for listening in their workplace. They want to make their next conversation better than the last one. And they want to support other ambassadors around the world for the quest for 100 million deep listeners in the workplace. With 100 million deep listeners in the workplace, we think some of the most complex problems in organisations, governments, non-for-profits will happen much quicker if people take the time to listen beyond the word. So the Deep Listening Ambassador community, they came up with their own name and they are all about progressing the idea of moving from active listening to deep listening. Well, Oscar, I have to say this has been a joy. Uh, it has been a way for for me, um, I'll, I'll speak for myself during this wonderful show, to actually use uh, my two kinds of listening and to, to practice being a listening ambassador. And I would love to continue in that, in that framework. For those of you, again, who are looking for the quiz, it's listeningquiz.com. And you can visit more of Oscar Tromboli at www.oscar.com. Trimboli.com. You can find him, obviously, at our landing page, Leadership Development News. Thank you for tuning in to tune up your performance. And, Rally, I'll let you have the last word. Oscar, thank you so much, and thanks for bringing listening more to the forefront. Take care, folks. For listening. Tune in again next week to tune up your performance. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. 
Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll be right back. 